economics is really something that I think for me, it speaks to the kind of questions I want to answer, but they also have tremendous funding opportunities. And one thing that I noticed was that there were internships that would pay tens of thousands of dollars for you to just go there and do some data analysis for somebody. You're listening to Financial Grown-Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And you know what? Being a grown-up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown-up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Okay, grownups, when you were a kid, someone asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you think, well, what will pay the most relative to the cost of my education that I also will find really interesting? Probably not. I know I didn't. And if we're being honest, choosing to be a journalist, as you will hear me admit in this interview, is not the best return on money. Not even close. So this is a case of wishing I was as wise as my guest when I was her age or maybe even now, she gets it and she is paying it forward already, even though she is one of the youngest financial grown-up role models we have had on this podcast. Anna Gifty Apoku Ajaman is the co-founder of the Sadie Collective. It is named after the first African-American economist. The Sadie Collective's mission is to bring together and advocate for Black women in economics and related industries. And it is also working on her first book and recently completed a fellowship at Harvard. She makes accomplishing so much look almost effortless, but when you hear her story, you'll realize mm, she was actually really smart about how she went about things, not just about funding her education, but also making sure that her education would put her in a great position to start being a financial grown-up. Here is Anna Gifty Apoku Ajuman. Anna Gifty Apoku Ajuman, you are a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Big congratulations on completing your fellowship at Harvard University. You are a research scholar in economics. This program took fewer than four people. They take a maximum of four people. Tell us a little bit about it, what you studied, and also about the Sadie Collective that you are a co-founder of. Yes, thank you so much. So the Research Scholar Initiative in Economics at Harvard University is funded by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. This foundation is being really intentional about funding initiatives that get more minorities into economics and related fields. And I have the pleasure of spending the past year at Harvard's sort of program is under this umbrella of the foundation. And so what I did there was I took some coursework, and then I also had the opportunity to work with a fabulous research mentor, Dr. Peter Q. Blair, um, who is housed at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And with regard to the Sadie Collective, the Sadie Collective is the first and only organization that uniquely addresses the underrepresentation of Black women in economics and related fields. I co-founded it with my wonderful co-founder and friend, Fanta Charade, and we have put together two annual conferences since 2018 that has reached about 400 plus Black women across the economics and related field space. And we are the only ones who have actually done this. So we actually made history with our first conference, becoming the first international conference that addresses Black women in economics and related fields specifically. 
and all this while you were still in school, just getting started (laughs) for your money story though. But you know, look, your education has had a huge impact on what you're already accomplishing. Let's talk about for your money story. You want to share how you got your education funded. We are in a time when there's so much controversy about how expensive an education is. We're in transition with this virtual learning. How did you successfully fund your education? When I first applied to college, I didn't have any financial aid. I actually applied to College Park and I was admitted and I went there for my first semester of college and I left eventually and transferred to the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, where I graduated. And so the question or the conversation rather that I had with my parents was about kind of how do we go about funding my education in state? The only reason I really stayed in state was to minimize the cost. Um, I know there were other schools that I was interested in, especially within the D.C. area, since I'm interested in policy and economics. I was like, yeah, like I definitely want to go to George Washington. But George Washington University is also one of the most expensive universities in America. So I knew that I wasn't going to get financial aid. I, I didn't want to get loans. And that was one thing that my parents also emphasized. They really did not want to get me get loans, essentially. And my dad at the time was also in school. And so that was sort of the thinking that was going into kind of how do I map out my own educational trajectory in terms of funding. In terms of when I transferred to UMBC, one thing I recognized was that there were individuals who seemed to be getting paid over the summer. I didn't know how they were doing it, but I did know that they were in STEM. And I did know that they were getting funded in terms of housing, food, and just a stipend. And I was trying to figure out how exactly are they accomplishing that? And that led me to connect with several different communities on campus, including the Myroff Scholars that I mentioned before, but also the Mark Ustar, which is now um, URISE Scholars. And the Mark Ustar program is really what ushered me into this world of research and exposed me to the fact that there's actually a lot of funding opportunities for those who are interested in getting a PhD or doing some research-related field. A lot of government agencies as well as foundations will actually throw money at you to go and do these things professionally because of the lack of diversity in those fields. Very interesting. So I'm hearing the first thing you did is you thought realistically about what was worth the dollars. What's the what's the return on the money so in choosing the school? And then the second thing you did is you followed the money. You didn't look at a field that some people might look at that, and I don't want to call anything out as a journalist, but there are certain fields that have more funding and certain fields that don't because of the market demand. So you were looking and seeing the market had demand for people in STEM, especially recruiting probably women and minorities. And so you thought when I'm choosing what to do in life and what to study, I'm going to go where there's a need and therefore where the money is. So continue. Tell us the rest of your story. Sure. So what that led me to do at the time I was a biology major was exposed to this field of research and biomedical research and noticing that there was a lot of funds kind of person where when I find out information, I am happy to share it with my colleagues and those who are coming behind me. And so there were a lot of different scholarship programs that were coming up through the NIH, coming up through the NSF. NSF, by the way, is the National Science Foundation. NIH is the National Institutes of Health. And they have a lot of government funding to get more minorities into the biomedical profession. But at the same time, I also got exposed to data analysis. And that is what really led me to go and pursue mathematics. I ended up changing my major um, in my junior year, which at first was kind of scary for my parents, but it paid off. (laughs) So essentially, when I switched to math, I also recognized that there was this field called economics after having several conversations with colleagues and friends and teachers and other professors across the country. And that economics specifically is the world's best kept secret in terms of a profession that gives you 
guaranteed funding for your graduate education. You're definitely going to get a job after you graduate. And so thinking about all of these things, I said, okay, economics is really something that I think for me, it speaks to the kind of questions I want to answer, but they also have tremendous funding opportunities. And one thing that I noticed was that there were internships that would pay tens of thousands of dollars for you to just go there and do some data analysis for somebody. And so that's something that I ended up doing. So I actually ended up participating in a summer program that was in partnership with UMBC called um, the University of Chicago sort of bridge program. And that allowed me to actually pay off the rest of my tuition for that year. So what is your advice for our listeners from that story? Yeah, my advice is simply to think about the different funding opportunities that are available within your field and to be optimistic about that. What I mean is that even if you're a journalism major, there's definitely funding for journalism majors. And so you have to go out and sort of look at your network as well as your academic and professional resources to see where the money is. A lot of people also have money to give, but it's not until you approach them and ask them about it that they actually tell you where the money is. And so that's another piece of advice I would share with individuals. How do you even find those people, though, if they're not advertising and they're not listed somewhere? Where do you even begin, especially now when everyone's sort of kind of stuck at home? That's exactly right. I think one thing that we have at our fingertips is the Internet. (laughs) So, you know, actually doing like a cold search and looking up different opportunities and whether or not things sort of align with where you are in life. But I think the other thing to look into is people you're actually close with. You guys have professors or maybe bosses that might have access to networks that actually have access to capital. Those are the people you really want to tap in. Kind of drawing on the relationships that you have currently to really build upon a network that allows you to gain access to funding to do what you really want to do. Do you have any examples of what you would say in an email? Oh, that's a good question. (laughs) I think, you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, obviously, hello. I guess, thank you so much for allowing me to reach out. But then what I would go in and say is that, you know, I'm somebody who's looking for funding opportunities right now for X, Y, Z. Can we get on a call? Can we talk a little bit more about this? And I think that you have to approach it like that. You can't say, can I talk to you so I can get money? That's not how you want to approach it. You want to say, can I talk to you so I can learn more? That way, that gives room for that individual to actually speak on their expertise and their knowledge about the topic. They may actually tell you way more than you were going to initially ask for. And that's sort of what you want to do in leaving room during the email. You make a really good point about listening, because when you let them talk, you may discover that they have a need that you can fill and get to know them better and then develop that relationship. That is my hack for life. I always say that when you ask people enough about themselves, At some point, they will say, what about you? And that's when you can talk a little bit about your journey. So for your everyday money tip, you have some advice, especially for young people who have to approach both the maybe summer internships or their first jobs. And they're coming out of school in a very fragile economy. Should they just take anything they should get? Or do you still have any leverage? And if so, how do you even ask? That's a a tricky question. And it's a question I'm currently dealing with right now. And I think it's It depends on, you know, what you ultimately want to gain from the kind of job that you end up doing. So if you really just need a job, of course, like (laughs) if somebody offers you a job, go take it. But if you are really trying to maximize the skills that you've been able to acquire over your collegiate education, then, yeah, it might be worth waiting it out just a little bit to see if something better comes along. I will say transparently in the economics world, they're going to be hiring as like business as usual in the fall. 
because they're not deeply affected by what's happening versus, you know, the retail space, which I think that obviously a lot of those jobs are just being destroyed by the fact that people aren't shopping, right? So I think you really want to gauge what industry are you in? Is it necessary for you to be working at this very moment? And third of all, you know, is there a way for you to draw on the networks that you already have to gain access to the resources that you hope to get? And of course, echoing what we said earlier, think about the field that you're in. Think about the long-term viability of your career choices and maybe you have to pivot. That's exactly it. That was wonderful. Tell us about your summer. You've got a great internship planned and then where people can get in touch with you and learn more about the Sadie Collective. Yes, this summer we're going to be launching the Sadie Collective's official website. We actually just expanded our team. We doubled it. So it's now 16 people on a team. Last year was about nine people. And so we're really excited just to share the new community that's going to be supporting the Sadie Collective's mission and pushing things forward. With regards to me, I have been writing a couple pieces. So I have a new piece that's out with the financial diet that talks about Black women best the importance of prioritizing Black women in the economy and how that actually may help the rest of us, right? And then the other thing, too, in terms of reaching out to me, I'm on Twitter called It's Afronomics. I'm pretty active on Twitter, so, you know, feel free to say hello. But I'm also on Instagram now. So my Instagram is just my name, Anna Gifty, and then it has O at the end representing the last initial of my name. Um, But that's essentially it. Aside from the book that hopefully will be coming out, we're praying for the publishers to return our emails. That's essentially what's going on with me. You just gave us a teaser. I don't think we actually spoke about the book. Can you give us a little sneak preview of what you're working on there? Sure. So I'm working on a children's book that is going to be amplifying the first African-American economist or black economist, rather, in America. And her name is Dr. Sadie T.M. Alexander. She's wonderful. She got her Ph.D. from the University of Pennsylvania in 1921 and they wouldn't let her practice. So she went back to law school and got her law degree (laughs) from the University of Pennsylvania, becoming the first African-American woman um, from University of Pennsylvania to get a law degree and then eventually becoming the first African-American woman to practice law in the state of Pennsylvania. So a lot of people actually don't know about her and there's actually never been a children's book written about her. And so that's sort of what I'm doing by um, writing this book and fulfilling that need. Well, we look forward to hearing about it more in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Here we go, my friends. Financial grown-up tip number one. Take a good hard look at where your money is going and don't be in denial. I joked about it, but it's actually no joke. Fields like journalism are consolidating and having a tough time. I have so many friends that have been laid off and are taking large pay cuts and really are still likely to be laid off even if they are still employed. They're all really worried. So if you want to earn money, why would you go where the money is not? Now, I'm not putting down journalism per se. I love what I do. But you should think about the economics of the career that you are looking at. Anna is looking forward and sees a deep need for really smart data analysis and economics-related jobs. She will be in demand and will have negotiating leverage when it comes to getting paid. She can ask for more money. Follow where the money is and where it will be and get real about where the money used to be and maybe is no longer. There's a reason I have multiple income streams, but that's for another podcast. Financial grown-up tip number two, ask for the money even if it's not being openly offered. 
Anna says, quote, a lot of people have money to give, but it's not until you approach them and ask them about it that they actually tell you where the money is. I am not a scholarship expert, but I know from some of the guests that we have had on this podcast that a lot of money really does go unclaimed. Take the time to look and to ask, and that goes for any opportunity. Now I have an ask. How are you adapting your career plans to everything going on right now with the economy? DM me on Instagram at BobbyRebel1 and on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And I want to invite all of you to sign up for the Grown Up List. It comes out once a month and is free. You can learn more at BobbyRebel.com. I also want to remind everyone that if you are interested in how the coronavirus pandemic and personal finance related news is impacting our own personal economics, make sure to subscribe to my other podcast with Joe Salcihai of Stacking Benjamins. It is called Money with Friends. We recently revealed our newest cast of thought leaders, and there are some incredible people that you will love to hear from. Big thanks to Anna Gifty Apoku Ajuman for helping us all follow the money so we can be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.